Molly raced toward the nurse's station, dodging other fast-walking staff, weaving through stretchers lining the corridors. Traffic was stopped ahead. Another nurse pushing a patient bed had gotten stuck because the halls were barely wide enough for two stretchers to pass each other. Molly had no time for this. No one did. The Pines Memorial ER was overloaded with patients, many of them moaning in pain or calling for the nurses who scurried through the brightly lit department. After ten years as a nurse, three of them at Pines, Molly had learned to tune out the voices and the cacophony of constant monitor chirps, high-pitched call bell dings, and low-tone beeps of alarms from patients not her own. She didn't even notice the smell anymore, a blend of cleaning spray, urine, and, depending on the number of intoxicated patients, alcohol. Molly ducked under a stretcher, scooted in front of the traffic jam, and helped the nurse lift the bed slightly to extricate the wheels. When the nurse smiled gratefully, Molly flashed a thumbs up and hustled to the station. There, Erica, the senior charge nurse, caught her eye. I've been trying to call a code purple for hours, but Charlene won't budge, Erica said. Friendly and smart, Erica struck just the right balance for a manager. She was firm but fair, and the nurses respected her. It was unusual for her to be rattled like this. A code purple, closing the ER to ambulances and rerouting patients to other hospitals, meant less profit for Pines Memorial, which would explain the administration's resistance, but the ER desperately needed relief. Charlene, the nursing supervisor, stomped into the nurse's station. Erica urgently called out to her, Charlene, we need to call a code purple. No way, Charlene said, shaking her long blonde hair. Every room is full. Everyone has more than the usual number of patients. Even the hallway is full. We don't have beds to move these people to, Erica insisted. Where are we going to put any other AMBO patients who come in? I'll get back to you. Charlene left the room. Erica shot a worried look at Molly. The medic phone rang. Medic phones, which kept emergency medical services in touch with hospitals, resembled walkie-talkies attached to police scanners. As Molly pressed the radio button, the other nurses nearby groaned. What's this one going to be? One nurse sighed. Molly answered the call. Pines, go ahead. A medic's voice crackled over the speaker. We're bringing in a 72-year-old male, working code, five-minute ETA. Crap, Molly muttered after she released the button. No time to waste. A working code meant that CPR was in progress. We have to make room for a code, y'all, Molly said in her unmistakably southern drawl. Erica didn't have time to reply before the phone rang again. Molly reached over and hit the button. Pines? Medic 42, en route to your location with a 58-year-old female in respiratory distress. We have her on BiPAP. Bi-level positive airway pressure was a method of assisted breathing. The patient probably would have to be intubated. What's your ETA, Molly asked. Ten minutes. Erica summoned Charlene again. Charlene, we're getting two working codes. As the nursing supervisor, during a shift when higher-level administrators were not in the building, Charlene had the authority to reroute ambulances. But today she appeared to be more interested in impressing the higher-ups with an enormous patient load than in making sure the patients were safe and the nurses were able to do their jobs. Charlene gave Erica a long look. Okay, you can go on purple. Can you fill out the justification form? I have to prep for the codes, Erica said, already moving toward the supply closet. To call a code purple, the ER had to list the number of patients in the ER and waiting room, the longest wait time for patients, and the number of beds available. Charlene would have to explain the financial loss to hospital administrators. Charlene backed away, palms up. Oh no, you're the one who has to justify this closure. She turned on her heel and strode off. Erica looked at Molly in disbelief. Molly fumed.
This place is exploding, she thought. We're expected to work at max capacity with no breaks and no acknowledgments or assistance from the administration. At least it was a weekday. One of the more ludicrous hospital policies dictated that on nights or weekends, the nursing supervisor had to page the administrator on call to get permission for a code purple. That administrator could be anyone on senior management, including IT or finance personnel. A major medical decision could be made by someone with no medical training whatsoever. At Molly's previous hospital, the finance director was on call on a day when the ER was flooded with new arrivals. Focused on billing as many patients as possible, he had refused to call a code purple even when the physicians insisted that the number of patients was unsafe. A patient easily could have suffered or died because the staff was so busy checking on others. Eventually, an irate ER doctor yelled at the administrator until he agreed to divert the ambulances.